Welcome to the Deeper Into Movies podcast. My name is Stephen T. Handley. I'm the founder and lead creator of Deeper Into Movies. We're a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast, I am joined by filmmaker and documentarian Alexandra O'Philippe. You may know him from his previous movies. He did a documentary on Alien, on William Friedkin's The Exorcist called Leap of Faith, which was incredible. That's one of my all-time favorite film documentaries. Highly recommend you check that out. Today, he is here to talk about his new documentary, Lynch Oz, a documentary going deep into David Lynch's obsession with The Wizard of Oz. You can see Oz all through David's movies. The Red Shoes, The Winds, A Woman in Trouble, and Philippe divides the film into seven sections with filmmakers and film thinkers giving their own theories on the parallels between The Wizard of Oz and the David Lynch universe. It's such an amazing deep dive, and it was a real pleasure to watch. Here is me with Alexandra O'Philippe. Hey buddy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hold on, let me uh, let me close the window. Sure. Uh, is this early for you? This is early for me. I, I never really. No, it's it's uh, it's all it's all good. Trust me, I've got I've got a full day of interviews today, so. Okay, I'm, good. I'm fine. I like the uh, the gummo uh, poster behind you. Thanks. Yeah, that's the VHS poster. I'm oh a, wow that, that was one of the first movies that really blew my mind when i was uh yeah it's late teen uh, early 20 yeah. and insane this was released by a major studio absolutely bizarre i know right by today's perspective that <laughs> something this weird could get through but i think it was just uh what did they say just uh the success of kids just pushed it through yeah yeah for sure so Let's start at the beginning. What films were you into? What made you want to become a filmmaker? Boy, that's, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, um, I'm going to try to keep this short because, you know, my (laughs) cinephilia runs, runs deep, but, um, you know, my, my, my parents really uh, took me to the movies a lot. My, my dad, uh, both really, both my parents are, you know, uh, cinephiles. Well, my, my dad passed away now, nine, you know, nine years ago, but I remember watching a lot of films with him. My mom would take me to the movies a lot. Um, you know, Vertigo is among the first movies that I remember just completely falling in love with. I was probably very, very young. Um, you know, it's, it's still my absolute favorite film. Um, I was watching a lot of Columbo uh, when I was a kid, uh, which, you know, I, I still I still I still love, uh, uh, you know, Peter Falk and Columbo. It's just such a perfect show. 
Um, but, you know, I, I was exposed to a lot of different things. And, and um, you know, when I was about, you know, 12 years old, I remember having these, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, salons with my parents and their friends where every every week, you know, I would have them, we'd have them over and I, I'd, I'd show a movie, you know, on VHS, you know, I, I would usually sort of curate like programs by director, you know, uh, over several weeks, you know, I remember having obviously a Hitchcock uh you know a couple of months and then we had I mean, were you having number. seasons yeah 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 we were That's having amazing seasons. yeah 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 and then we you know it's so funny because we would watch we would you know watch the film i would do a little intro watch the film and then we'd do a q a afterwards you know so yeah oh my I'm, God. Still, I'm still doing this <laughs> as an adult <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> yeah it's you know and great parents to support that i guess they were just cinephiles too or yeah what are you- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's been. I mean, obviously, because you know, my my friends were not, you know, like it, this was, you know, like I said, that was I was like twelve or you know ten or twelve or whatever it was, but uh, it was all adults, you know. None none of my friends would show up to these, you know. So, and I was just thinking because you said you were so young and your friends wouldn't turn up. Did you? Was there a point where you realized, okay, this is like deeper to me than it is to my friends at the same age who also were into movies? Uh, you know, I, I don't know necessarily that I was thinking sort of consciously about that. I mean, I, you know, I, when I was 17, I, I uh, actually wanted to be a golf professional. So I kind of followed that for a while. Um, I actually did turn pro and then, you know, went back to school and, and, um, you know, started writing plays. I thought I wanted to be a playwright and I thought I wanted to be a screenwriter and then sort of, found my way towards filmmaking in a sort of very strange, uh, organic way. But, you know, now it makes complete sense. I mean, what, what I'm doing, you know, specifically the, the films about film and the way in the way that I make them uh, completely makes makes sense. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel that it was very, very serendipitous. It's, it almost feels in a way like sort of life had plans for me and I sort of went along with that and, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's that's cool, you know. Uh, and I'm loving it. I'm loving every bit of it. Um, how do you describe your style of documentary? Well, I mean, first of all, I would say I don't I don't really use the word documentary. I mean, even okay. though technically you you could say that it's that that it's that, but it's it's uh, it's really more you know films about film in a way. I mean, I I make films very specifically about. Uh, you know, films that have become cultural moments, you know, yeah. films that in a way are more than just movies, because I'm very interested in this idea of, of you know, the, 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 just a, the sheer power of the moving picture and how it influences us, how it plays with our brains, quite frankly, um, and how we incorporate uh, that into our sort of day-to-day, you know, uh, you know, cultural life. So, um, you know, not surprisingly, all the films that I've uh, spent time analyzing and deconstructing and delving into are, you know, films like Psycho, like Alien, like The Exorcist, you know, like Star Wars, uh, films that have a, a real sort of cultural significance and cultural resonance. And I think those are really important films to study and, 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 and uh, you know, look into because they really have something to say about us, you know, as, as people. So, so I think that's what, that's kind of, 
I mean, I'm realizing, you know, that's what sort of my life's work in a way is. And I keep going deeper and deeper into that. And, you know, the more films I make, the more, the more work there is to be done. It's, it's never going to be a finished uh, job. And so, you know, hopefully I'll live a long life and uh, make many, 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 many more. For 78.52, when I first read the synopsis. Yeah. Obviously, I loved the film, but when I first read the synopsis, I thought, how the hell is this guy going to make a 90-minute movie about a two, like a two-minute sequence? Then yeah. I was like, how much meat is on the bone to analyze that? Mm. I was wondering, how was it pitching that to get that made? What, did people have similar, similar concerns that... Yeah, yeah, no, that, that that was the challenge, and and you know it, it was for me the and, and first of all I'll say I completely understand you know people who who would ask that question, but yeah. for me the frustration was that you know from my perspective it was more a, a question of like how do I not make a three hour film <laughs> about, about the shower scene, and 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 honestly like like keeping it down to ninety minutes was was really hard, but then you know you you have to realize who you're catering to that obviously you know ultimately this is a film not just for hardcore cinephiles but also for the general public. In fact, also potentially for people who have never watched Psycho. Um, so so you want to make it accessible, and and there are certain aspects of it that are just way too geeky that we had to cut out. But I mean, look, I I will tell you right now. I mean, obviously, there's many films that that I'm going to make, but I am actually planning another film about the shower scene completely different than 1752 uh there's much much more to be said and and by the time we delivered the film by the time we premiered the film i really felt like gosh i've, I've really only scratched the surface about this thing so really yeah before that nobody had really killed off a main character in such a shocking way well, not not in not in such a shocking way in in a way that really uh, you know resonated with culture uh, you know and I think part of that was was you know that Hitchcock already I mean it's 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 all of course linked linked to Hitchcock you know he, he, there are certain expectations he had built his reputation over decades uh, and so you know you you're you have to understand, obviously, people at the time were always sort of expecting, you know, his next trick. Uh, you know, what what is he going to do next? And and that one was uh, was really, I think, his boldest trick on on many many levels. Uh, I mean, we could we could be talking, obviously talking about the shower scene for hours, but um, uh, but I, I still think it's it's one of the greatest, um, you know, cinematic sort of magic tricks in uh in history and and obviously the response you know speaks for itself and can you remember what it was and i remember he said he saw a film in the cinema he was watching lots of b movies and i i think he said to one of his producers maybe we can i'm seeing a lot of cinema magic in these b movies but imagine if the b movies were in the hand of a auteur director such as myself and how i could Mm-hmm. play with that but I was, I was trying to google what the film was that he saw that he had the eureka moment that said i could almost make a prototype slasher movie that would yeah i i i don't know which film you you're um you're, you're talking about but there was obviously a very very conscious choice you know to to use that shower murder as yeah. really the excuse to make this film in fact when I was at the Margaret Herrick Library in, in Los Angeles, you know, researching, because they have a lot of the original sort of psycho papers and you can, 
you can find the sort of Hitchcock's handwritten notes uh, and, and you can hold them in your hands, which is crazy. They need to frame those things. Uh, but, you know, there's uh, this sort of early uh, sequence by sequence handwritten draft by Hitchcock of Psycho. And, and you know, the shower scene in, in, in sort of bold letters, all it says is the, the shower murder, you know, and... Um, and it's really telling because it sort of jumps up the page. And, you know, as he has told in interviews, you know, this is really the, the only reason why he was interested in sort of, you know, uh, making that film. As he says, the, the, shower, the, the shower murder out of the blue, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, I mean, he, obviously he was, he was quite famous for, you know, reading a book just once, discarding it, and, uh, and just, you know, crafting the film around what you know he remembered from it or what was important to him you know and that's why his films are so completely different from from the source material and of course he worked with a number of screenwriters on that but the the idea was always you know uh you know the the one thing the one element about the book or, or the source material that uh he was interested in in terms of you know, doing something to his audience. And that's what it was for, for Psycho. How is it talking to Pete Bogdanovich who contributes in the film? Mm-hmm. He's one of my heroes. I love, I love that. Yeah, guy. no, of course. I, I, it's very, very sad. He passed away. Um, no, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, uh, you know, obviously a very, you know, key contributor. Uh, and, um, you know, it was, it was great to just, you know, hear his, uh, story about about experiencing psycho you know in New York City not knowing anything about it and and the thing that was most striking to me really is this this notion of uh, you know he said the first time he he saw it um, when when mother pulls the curtain open uh, the this the people in the audience were screaming so loudly that he couldn't even hear the Bernard Herman's core Wow. I mean, that's insane. You know, like, like he actually started realizing there was a score there, like the second screen. Um, I mean, those kinds of moments, you know, like in my lifetime, I certainly haven't really experienced anything like this. I mean, those are super rare, you know, uh, collective moments. And um, what a thing that must have been to, to experience, I know. you know? I think the only time I felt that type of chaos was when I, I went to see Dust Till Dawn when it first came out and nobody knew mm. it, t- it turned into a vampire film. Mm. And 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 the entire 400 people in the audience, it's like, what the fuck? Like, where is this heading? Like, what type of movie? You know, we're coming off Pulp Fiction and we're thinking it's going to be, you know, like a crime genre movie to completely morph like that. That was probably the last time I've had a mm. collective freak out. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I, I certainly, you know, I, I've talked a lot about, you know, experiencing um, the ending of the Blair Witch Project in a massive 2000 seat theater also in New York City. And wow, yeah, that final shot, man, that the, the sigh of the collective sigh of dread in the audience, you know, just like a wave, you know, just hitting you. Um, that was that was really powerful. Um, so yeah, there's very few, um, of those moments, but when they happen, it's, uh, it's significant.
this episode is brought to you by our friends at Mubi, a great streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. I've been a Mubi subscriber for years. Mubi's catalog is full of iconic directors, emerging auteurs, and there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's basically your own personal film festival. Let's pick some of my favorites from the Mubi UK catalog. Mysterious Skin. Gregoraki's movie from 2004. Arguably his best movie. Really moving. Beautiful shoegaze soundtrack. And a genuinely haunting ending. And it's kind of a Christmas movie. Let's go for that as number one. Movie UK have a really good selection of David Cronenberg movies. And I've not seen The Brood, 1979. And so many people I speak to say The Brood is Cronenberg's best. I know he made this when his wife was pregnant. And it's about mutant children. I haven't seen this, but I'm going on recommendations from friends. And... I don't think I've let you guys down yet, so trust me on this one. And let me find one more. Ah, there we go. Easy. David Lynch, The Art Life. This is as close to getting to know David as you're going to get through this documentary. You're hanging out with him every day in his artist studio. And he tells the most creepy terrifying story i've ever heard there you go that's my free recommendations ending on a sinister note i'm okay with that enjoy you can try mubi for 30 days at mubi.com slash deeper into movies that's mubi.com slash deeper into movies for a whole month of great cinema for free. Leap of Faith is one of my favorite movies about movies. Thank you. And I came to it already thinking I knew loads about The Exorcist because <laughs> I'm obsessed with William Friedkin. I think he's a maniac. I, yeah. And complete genius and just such a character. Just so brash. And how did you approach that? Obviously, there's already there's a great documentary about The Exorcist on the blu-ray and stuff what made you want to approach that film well i you know this was also actually quite serendipitous because um friedkin actually invited me to his stable uh, at the sigis film festival i was touring with uh 7852 and he was um he, he was getting the life you know lifetime achievement award you know there but he had heard a lot about my film and so he invited me to his, to his table to tell me some stories about hitchcock and 
and um, you know, asked me immediately to send him the film. And then he invited me for lunch um, in Los Angeles three weeks later. And um, and you know, I, he basically sort of alluded to the fact that if I wanted to have access to his archives, that he would give me full access. And I mean, it was sort of this open invitation to make a film about The Exorcist. And of course, I took the bait, you know, and and so. So, uh, you know, I, I wanted to approach this from a very, very different perspective. I, I, I told him, I said, look, you know, um, I would like to do something that's very similar to, you know, the Hitchcock Truffaut kind of interviews where we mm -hmm. would, you know, let's schedule a bunch of days. Let's, let's just talk about, let's just crack it open for, you know, for, for days, uh, every scene, every sequence, every technique, every moment, every image. Um, but I told him, I said, I said, for me, this this should be your personal exorcist but also your exorcist through you know classic cinema through music um uh you know through art uh, painting i mean he's he's uh, obviously he knows so so much about art and and music and so and and we both agreed that we wouldn't even talk about special effects because that's been well documented and in a way you know um who cares you know it's uh, i mean special effects are great and it's very interesting but as always, I'm just much more interested in the the, the deeper meaning uh, and the craft, you know, the director's craft, um, you know, for the film. And, and, and as a result, it opened up all kinds of other things. I mean, obviously, without giving it away, the, the final sequence in, in Kyoto was quite... Uh, oh, that's such a beautiful ending. Yeah. 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 And of course, with William, we've got such a great storyteller rack on her oh god the yeah. voiceover's done already yeah no it's uh <laughs> kind can't... of the same with bogdanovich just they're both just incredible raconteurs i could just listen absolutely. to them talk about film all day absolutely and i'm actually working on uh, on another film right now uh with another one of those incredible performers and that's william shatner so, oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's that one's that one's a hoot so for Lynch, Oz, this, I'd say this is your most ambitious movie to date. Uh, you know, I, I like to think that every movie that I make is my most ambitious, yeah. ambitious to date. You know, I, I keep trying to raise the bar. And um, yeah, in many ways, I think this one this one was uh, uh, very ambitious, very difficult to make. But also well, I guess the puzzle of putting together the connections between the two yeah. is, is kind of at least linear. And when I heard about it, all I could piece together was... There's some references in Wild at Heart. That's the only connections I drew. So by, by now I'd known your work and I was like, okay, I want to be taken to school for a couple of hours and really be shown what I haven't yeah. already worked out. But how, how was it putting that film together? It was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was very, very difficult, um, you know, uh, but I... I mean, you know, that's just, again, one of those rabbit holes. Uh, once you start going down, uh, you know, there, um, it's unbelievable what we found. And and I think, obviously, you know, I have to, you know, I, I can't say enough about our wonderful contributors, you know, uh, John Waters, uh, Karin Kusama, and David Lowry, and Amy Nicholson, and, uh, you know, all those just wonderful, wonderful people. Um, you know, it's really you know, thanks to, to them that, that, you know, we were able to go, to go this deep, but it was, it was just a wonderful collaborative process. Also my editor, David Lawrence, uh, who's a huge film geek and, 
you know, uh, he's, he's a big reason for, you know, the film being, being what it is. Um, his brother, uh, Aaron Lawrence, um, who's did an incredible score, obviously, you know, the, the, the entire team, but, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I, when we started making this film, I wasn't necessarily, well, let me put it this way. In, in retrospect, I think it was a little bit crazy because I don't think we knew for sure that there was enough material to make a feature film out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm very intuitive. I sort of followed my intuition on this. I felt that it was the right project to do. And, um, and in the end, we had to leave, you know, a bunch of stuff out. So, um, uh, you know, we, we could go deeper, but I think, I think we've made the case that there's, <laughs> there are strong connections yeah. between Lynch and us. How did you pick your contributors? Cause the film's broken up. Is it six chapters? Yep. Six chapters. How, how did you pick your people? Did you assign them? And then did you assign them homework and say, <laughs> okay, I need a 15 minute essay on your take on this it was uh it was a very organic process i mean there's um you know for me it was at the end of the day it had to be people who were going to be completely all in on on this and willing to go there with me and um you know i i had approached other people uh who unfortunately either turned it down or couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or you know said yes and then ultimately couldn't and so, you know, it's, it's always a very organic process, but I'm, I couldn't be more pleased with the combination of people that we have and the way that their chapters kind of work as a full narrative in a way. Um, I think that's, there's something really beautiful about that. But no, the process was, uh, you know, it was, it was a multi-step process. I, you know, first um, had what I call a jazz interview, you know, with, with them and, uh, you know, just basically called them, you know, on, 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 on the phone and, and recorded very low res, you know, on my phone, the, the conversation. And, and then we riffed on the idea until I felt like we had something. And then I went ahead and, you know, transcribed, transcribed the, the interview and then wrote what I thought was going to be their chapter, you know, wrote the script, submitted the script for their approval you know, uh, we went back and forth a few times, uh, made some changes together. And then when we were both really happy with, you know, the, the, the content of their chapter, then I send them back to a recording studio. And, and that's what you have in, in the film. Watching the film, I was really curious. So if you have uh, audio essay recorded, then how is the process of then putting pictures to that essay yeah i mean that's that's the painstaking aspect of it uh because you don't have the luxury to cut back to some talking, head, talking yeah head, right so so it's very very intense and the, and the writing of the script had to take that into consideration right so um yeah i mean the clip selection process the legal process just everything that has to do with that uh, was extraordinarily, uh, you know, complex and, and intense, but again, also really cool because you have to think about making sure that every clip makes a point, every clip makes an argument, every clip illustrates something or says something and moves the story forward. Um, so as a result, you know, you're, you really have to have a, a discipline about that. And, um, and again, I, I can't say enough for David Lawrence, my 
editor on this, he did a, just a great job. I mean, we, we were on the phone every day as we still are. I mean, we, we always talk about movies, but, but uh, the process of working with him is always just wonderful. Yeah. How was it working with John Waters? He's a legend. <laughs> He's wonderful. You know, I, I, um, I was uh, very fortunate because I, I had not met him in person, but uh, a few months later, I got to meet him at uh, the American Film Festival in Poland in uh, Wrocław. And, uh, you know, we, we had coffee together and, um, you know, he invited me to his show. Uh, he, was, he was doing a performance of, of his show. Um, he's such a just lovely, gracious human being and and um i'm really glad that he he participated because you know that there's i think his story is, is so beautiful you know the sort of the connections um that he feels you know with with david lynch you know that that they were both kind of shaped and influenced by the wizard of oz in 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 very powerful ways um uh very different ways but but you know you you can see yeah the oz dna in his work as well you know for sure and when he was saying about they were both kind of joined by that 1950s era that they're kind of obsessed with that very a judgmental area and a kind of conformist era but also yeah but the aesthetics and the style and the kind of picturesque america and suburbia is both something they've come back to in their work and subverted yeah. for the years yeah no it's um it was um yeah, very important to 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 get him involved and i'm i'm really uh very thankful that um you know he he agreed I had a weird question when I was watching the film on one of the essays, we we're talking about how Lynch could have been fascinated by Judy Garland's life and the tragedy mm. that followed. And they said that the, oh, the Culver City hotel. Yes. Yeah. What's the story there? They said there was like a dark history to the hotel. Well, the, the, the munchkins went there. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, there was sort of reports of these Dionysian parties where they sort of really trashed, you know, the, the, the hotel. Um, uh, and in fact, it's, it's, it's um, uh, portrayed, I mean, obviously dramatically portrayed in that, uh, in that film with the Chevy Chase. Uh, of course, I'm forgetting the title now. Um, National under, under the rainbow. Oh, under, under the rainbow. rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, there were those reports and, and you know, obviously we have this uh, brief interview clip of uh, Judy Garland sort of mentioning the incident. Um, so they, they had a reputation, uh, those munchkins. So going back, what was the spark for the documentary? When did you feel there was, when, when did you begin to see the connections between David Lynch and Oz? Well, I mean, they've been, they've been, you know, discussed and you know, on sort of forums and among sort of David Lynch fans, you know, it's the kind of stuff that pops up. And um, I'm not really sure, you know, how I, you know, when I sort of made the conscious decision, you know, let's move forward with this film. Um, it's just something that I feel always happens organically. There's, you think about it for a while, it's at the back of your mind for a long time. And then, and then all of a sudden you, it becomes an evidence, like we have to make this film. And um, so, you know, obviously I've been, thinking about it for a while, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, but I, I do remember that, that there was a moment when, um, Carrie, my producer and I, and, and, uh, uh, you know, David, uh, our editor, we, we sort of, 
um, I had the conversation of, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's move forward with this, um, with this film. It's so exciting when you're watching it for the first time and you've known Lynch's work all your life and you start seeing when, when you do the great split screens where you start seeing the mm. curtains, the yellow brick road to the mm -hmm. yellow highway strips and, uh, the, the use of wind, which is always like, yeah, greatly used for our eraser head. It's so exciting when you see them all piecing together. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's been, you know, again, that's, that's the part of the process that I really enjoy is, is, uh, you know, bringing out those things, but it's, you know, it's not about solving any mysteries. If anything, I mean, I, it, what I like to say is that I think, I think my films are more about sort of opening doors and, and creating more questions. Yes. Right. And uh, it's certainly not in any way, shape or form about trying to answer the mystery of David Lynch, because we'll never answer that. And it would be a pointless exercise, you know, to try to to answer that, but to open more doors of interpretation and 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 really on doors on the, the, the mysteries of influence um, uh, and inspiration on the creative process. I mean, that's fundamentally what this film is about. Before I became a film programmer. I was freelance journalist and I of a David Lynch Polish night music album came out and mm. sacred bones, the label says we can send David five questions and we'll send you back his answers for your interview. So I'm calling up all my editors. Like I've got an interview of David Lynch. Will you take this interview? And they said, sure, let me see it. And I get my interview back and David has answered one line per question. And it was just like, what drew, drew you to Poland to record this album? And he wrote, <laughs> The Factories. <laughs> and then it was like, what do you like What do you like about this? And he was like, Polish women and the smoke from the factories at night. And it was just the worst interview. And I gave it back to all my edits. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> We're not going to print this. is like 30 words max for this entire interview. Yeah. But so, it, yeah, he's a very difficult interview subject, which is probably... But that's, you know, that's, that's him. And that's a lovely thing. And, and I, I mean, you know, I had a similar uh, thing in the sense that obviously he was the first one that I approached. I knew he wasn't yeah. going to do it. I, I, and in fact, I'm glad he didn't because it's, he doesn't like to talk about his work. So, but uh, his response, it was very kind, you know, it was basically declined to be interviewed, but his, the way he put it is, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I need to keep my eye on the donut. Yes. That's what he said. Where's that expression? Like, look at the donut, not the whole. Right, exactly. So, so there you go. Finally, what's your favorite Lynch movie? You know, for me, it's um, it's a double feature. It's it's Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive. I I think they're they're very sort of intricately linked, uh, and they work together incredibly. I think. Uh, they're both the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> uh, of course. But uh, yeah, no, they're just phenomenal, phenomenal films. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm going to let you go. All right. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. You know, uh, well, I'm sure we'll be talking at some point soon. Please do. <laughs> All right. Cheers, buddy. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
that was me and Philippe. Thank you to Dogworth for setting us up. That was a great talk. Again, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen Leap of Faith, do it. If you like William Friedkin, The Exorcist, The History of Cinema, check out that doc. It really blew me away. And you're probably thinking, oh, do I need another Exorcist doc? Yes, you do. Okay, that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Speak soon.